Welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that's here in this room. We thank you that you are here and you are longing to move and you are longing to breathe and you are longing to impact. Would you find us ready for that today? Would you move in us, speak in us, awaken what needs to be awakened within us today, Jesus? That this would be a space where uh, a revolution would begin uh, uh, inside of us, God, and echo out into every arena that we find ourselves in. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We find ourselves in an era where we deal in the currency of influence. That influence is how we engage one another. It's how we gauge our worth, our value. We, we are the generation that has created professional influencers, right? And in fact, when you talk to so many young people today and you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, most of them, when I talk to them, was, I want to be an influencer. I want to be on YouTube and I want to be on Twitch and I want to have a podcast and I want to be an influencer, right? Because... There's a generation of people who just want to have influence for the sake of having influence. It's interesting. Almost every week, I get a a message on my Instagram from some company that's asking me if I would like to buy followers for my Instagram page because we deal in a currency of, of likes and reposts and followers, and it seems like the more you have of that, the more your value increases in our cultural conversation. And maybe you're not influenced by the gram, and maybe all of that seems really out of your league and not really what you're up to. But the fact of the matter is, is that every single one of us have people in our lives that we long to influence. Every single one of us have, have family members, children, friends, coworkers, neighbors, communities around us that we long to have impact on, that we long to be able to influence and move and to have something shift and shape within that. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, that we get frustrated when we can't have the influence that we long for. There's something inside of us that's frustrated when we we can't have the the shifts that we long for or the movement that we long for. We we long for it at at, at a relational level, but we even long for it at at a meta level. We are about to head into a whole season of elections. Yay, right? But even with that, we're dealing with individuals who want to shift culture, but then everyone has their opinion about what needs to be influenced in our culture and what needs to be shifted and what needs to be transformed in the middle of this. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when it comes to influence, it seems like there are the haves and the have-nots, yes? Like some people are, are just highly influential, and then, then others aren't, and, and that's frustrating, right? When you're thinking, how did, how did that person get influence? Well, why is their voice elevated over everyone else's voice when it seems like their voice brings more chaos or it brings more destruction than hope or freedom in that? Or if you're anything like me, have you noticed that there are areas where it seems like you have influence and then there are other areas where it seems like you don't have influence? Maybe you're like, hey, I can go to work and I can influence my coworkers, I can influence my employees, I can even influence my boss in that scenario, but then I get home and I can't influence my family or I can't influence my friends. Maybe you find yourself in a space where you're like, man, I can influence my, my physical life, but I can't seem to get my head straight. I, I, can't, I am run by my emotions, and I am run by the thoughts in my space. Or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe it's like, man, I can get my head straight, but I can't seem to get myself healthy. I can't seem to influence what I put in my mouth. And so we have areas of influence where we recognize I have it here, and I don't have it here, and I wish I could have it here, and I long to have this change, but it doesn't seem like, I, like I'm capable of it in those arenas that we find ourselves in. See, here's what I am convinced of, is I am convinced that you were made for influence, that that is a part of the God identity that lives inside of you, that lives inside of all of us, that we were actually made for influence, that it's part of the family trait that we inherited from our creator. And it actually comes so natural to us. 
I mean, for example, don't think about pink elephants. And certainly, certainly don't think about pink elephants in a yellow Speedo <laughs> with little black polka dots, right? And don't think about a pink elephant with a yellow Speedo with black polka dots on the beach sipping a martini. Don't do that. See how easy influence is? <laughs> it actually doesn't take much. It actually doesn't take much to shift a thought or to, uh, to influence a, a conversation inside of our heads. It, we were actually made for us. This is, this is part of our DNA that lives in us. So what is this elusive element of influence? How do we get it? How do we spend it? How do we harness it? See, I, I think actually we first have to look at an, another influence invisible part of our humanity that exists within inside of all of us. And we're going to spend the next few weeks in one chapter of the scriptures, Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, faith is this unique ability that lives inside all of us to see what we actually cannot see and then to materialize it in our life in some way, shape, or form. And we all have this, we all do this. And, and living in this confidence that this unseen reality that we believe in is just as real as the table that I'm touching or the floor that I'm standing on. That what we cannot see is actually at times even more real than the physical reality that we can live in and, and engage in. Faith is a part of so much of our existence. It's actually one of the, the most important elements of love. I, I love getting to walk couples from moments of uh, engagement to the altar where they say, I do. I love the process of that. It's like a, a forming, a molding of two hearts over a season. And it's always interesting to me because almost every couple that I've ever walked in that process with has a crisis in the middle of the process. There's this moment where they actually realize what's about to happen. And it freaks them out, right? <laughs> and if you're married, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. There's this moment that you go, what on earth am I doing? What on earth am I stepping into right now? It, it is a horrifying proposition because there's this moment where you have to actually believe it has required faith to trust that the love that exists between us, this invisible commitment is just as real as this paper that I'm about to sign. And it's just as real as any verbal spoken agreement that we've made with one another, that this invisible trust between us is actually going to forge us into this place of love. It's a horrifying proposition to step into, to actually believe that that is going to hold us through because it's hard to see at first. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine at first. But the second you can conceive it, everything shifts. The second that you're willing to just put your faith in it, everything transforms in it. Because here's the thing, whatever we put our faith in, whatever invisible reality we decide is going to be the reality that I live in, that, that, that reality that we decide gets my full attention. It gets my heart, it gets my mind, it gets my body, it gets everything around it in the minute. The second we decide that, that's what will determine the future that opens up for us and the people around us. That whatever we put our faith in actually creates and crafts the future that we step into. We do this with love. Love opens up a very specific future when we're willing to put our trust and our faith into love with another human being. But we also do this with fear. That we put our, we put our trust in fear and we imagine a future where things might, might fall apart. But for most of us, we imagine a future where things are going to fall apart. And then we put our trust and our faith in that. And then it starts to materialize in our lives. It starts to actually influence how we interact and how we move and the decisions that we make. And if I'm willing to give myself, if I'm willing to speak to someone, if I'm willing to open up my heart, it, it, it engages everything with that. We do this with scarcity. We do this with hope. We do this with freedom. We do this with bitterness. We imagine a future. And then we start stepping into it and creating with this. In fact, I'd like for us to just think, what, what are the invisible realities that inform our future? If you were to think about some of the elements that we put our faith into, what are some of the invisible realities 
that we put our trust in at times. We talked about love and we talked about fear, but what are some of the other invisible realities that we put our trust in? Money. What else? The, yes, the American dream. What else? Stock market. Yes, stocks. What else? What other invisible realities do we put our trust and faith in? Yes, our physical bodies, right? <laughs> what else? Yes, our friends. What else? Spouse. What else? What's that? Sorry, what? Family, Family yes. Yes, laws. Success. And failure. <laughs> what else do we put our faith in? What are some of the other invisible realities that we engage in on a regular basis? Religion. What's that? What was that in the back? Social media. Yes. What else? Our purpose. What else? Promises. What else? How about anxiety? And worry? And depression? And fun. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's, yeah, entertainment. We could go on and on and on. There's all kinds of invisible realities that we put our faith in. That if this happens, then this future will open up. And some of us have already decided based on the invisible reality that we live in that this is actually what's possible and not possible for me based on what I put my trust in, based on what I put my faith in. Now, I want to step into this passage in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I'm just going to warn you, we're going to read a whole lot right now. So for those of you who are like, let us get out of here and get to Chili's really fast, that's not today. <laughs> but I want you to be inspired by this passage today. Because over the next few weeks, we are going to step into some beautiful depth in this passage. But I, for, for, for this moment, I want you to be inspired by these words today. It says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. His faith, he commended the, by faith, he commended the world, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. And these people were still living by faith when they died. They, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. People who say such things show that they were looking for a foreign country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his own son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And Abraham reasoned that, that God could even raise the dead. So in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. But by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's son and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph... When, he, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. 
by faith. Moses, his parents hid him for three months and he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger and persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell and the armies marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall we say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon. Yes, we don't have time. Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut down the mouths of lions and quenched the fiery flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. This is not that encouraging, but they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I don't know about you, but I read this passage and I'm like, let's go, right? I'm like, let's go do the impossible. Let's go do the unthinkable. Let's go do the thing that everyone says that's not possible, including me. Let's go do that thing. Let's engage with one another. Let's go start creating something. Let's slay giants. Let's take over cities. Let's believe for the unthinkable, to have faith in the unprecedented, as this longs for us to step into. And we have these stories of of men and women of deep-seated faith that did the unprecedented. And I don't know about you, but when I read this, there's something inside of me that longs to live like this, to give up the ordinary, to give up the common, to give up all the other things that I put my faith in that are creating some future that is actually not worth having, to step into something that, that would be unthinkable in the middle of this. So what makes an Abraham or a Noah or a Rahab worthy of being in a passage like this? Were they smarter? I mean, they must have had some, like, supernatural intelligence or, or maybe they had a deeper spirituality or connection with the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's where my mind often goes. Maybe, maybe they were the ones made for greatness. Maybe, maybe they were the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musks of their era. I don't know. But see, I, I think that what actually moved them to a space where they were known as influencers was not anything that was given to them, it was all about influence. See, influence is actually the capacity to have an effect on character, development, or behavior of someone or something. It's actually an ancient astrological term. And when the ancients looked up at the stars and the moons and the planets, they they believed that they had some energy over us. And they developed this word influence, and it actually means to flow into. Because they believed that the, this mystical energy of the universe would flow into us, and it would determine our fate. And so when we talk about influence, the word actually means to flow into. It's this understanding that whatever flows into us determines our destiny. That whatever flows into us actually creates the future that is possible for us. That whatever flows into us actually determines what we see possible and not possible in the world around you. And here's what I want you to walk away with today knowing is that you were made for influence, but it begins with what you allow to flow into you. It starts with what you allow to influence you, what, what force you allow to inform your life in the middle of this, because if humanity was made for influence, 
If part of our spiritual DNA was the fact that we were actually made to influence one another, to influence systems, to influence powers, it would make sense that we were also made to be influenced. That we were actually made to have a force flow into us. It would make sense that, 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 that we would be influenced by something. That we would be influenced by love or fear or worry or scarcity or hopelessness or cynicism or disappointment. Or that you would be elevated to a higher level of influence in your life. See, this is, this is actually the audacity of the claim of Jesus. Is that he actually has the audacity to claim that when you come to him, his influence will elevate you higher than anything else. That when you allow his spirit and his voice to flow into you, that when you allow him to be the primary thing that influences and impacts and moves and informs your life, that he actually elevates you to your highest self. The call of Jesus is a call for him to allow his voice and the voice of the creator of the universe to influence us, that the creator of everything, the heavens and the earth, would actually flow into us. And from that flow, we would give him impact and authority over our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our bodies that we would be in this space with him. See, Jesus says this to us in John seven thirty seven. He says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who thirsts come, and t- come to me and drink. Let me flow into you. Come allow me to be the influence that moves into your life. And he says, whoever believes in me, whoever allows me to flow into them, as scripture said, has rivers of living water that will flow from within them. See, this is actually what sets Enoch and Abel and Joseph and Gideon and Samson apart from every single other individual, the millions and millions of, un- of other individuals that do not get named in the scriptures, is that these individuals were in the middle of unthinkable circumstances. They were in the middle of situations and arenas that, where they were in relational breakdowns and they were in cultural breakdowns and they were in personal breakdowns and they could not see a way out and they could have allowed any number of these invisible forces and factors to influence their life. They could have chosen to have any other force flow into their life and determine the future that they were going to have. But what they did was rather than going on autopilot and allowing some other invisible influence to influence them, they said, I will only allow the voice of the living God to influence me. And from that space, they dynamically created this future that was unthinkable, unbelievable. And from that, rivers of living waters started to flow from them and within them, and through them in the midst of this, and elevated their lives to beyond what we could ever imagine. See, it wasn't that they were smarter. It wasn't that they were even morally superior or had better theology. It was none of that. It was that they allowed themselves to be influenced by the voice of God, and that their faith then opened up unthinkable futures for themselves and other people. Now, I've only been drunk a handful of times in my life. Most of it was not intentionally. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a pastor. Sorry to everyone watching online. But here's the thing. For me, I don't see the appeal. I I actually don't see the appeal of it. um, And mostly because I don't like the feeling of being out of control. That's mostly for me. I, I can see the appeal. It's just not for me in the middle of that. And here's the thing. When, when you're... Uh, under the influence, you lose control. That's part of what happens. That's part of actually the appeal for most people who find themselves in this space. Ironically, people who become alcoholics, who chronically desire to be under the influence, do so because there are areas in their lives that feel or had felt out of control. There were past arenas where they felt powerless or traumas that left them without power, or stole their power, or stole their control, and it was taken from them. So being under the influence releases them for a moment from the powerlessness of the past. It releases them for a moment from the power of things that had happened in their story that are now influencing their future. And for a moment, they can be under the influence, and the past can be released from them. 
and for a moment they can have a present that at least feels peaceful for a second, that at least is alleviated from the, the pain and the trauma and the woundedness. The problem is, of course, that you have to keep going back for another round. You have to keep going back for another hit. There, there's, always, there's always another seeking, another pursuing, another drink, another moment, another hit. And while for a moment we may feel like we have our control back, it actually leaves us further and further and further out of control. And we are under the influence of all kinds of things. Now, I would imagine that just based on our community here, that, that most of us aren't alcoholics. And if you are, this is your space. But we are under the influence of all kinds of things. And I think actually for our generation, the drug of choice is busyness. I think we are under the influence of that. And here's how I know it's because it influences most, most of our lives. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with individuals that I know are high-capacity individuals. That, that I know, I'm like, man, your life was actually designed to be breathtaking. Your life was actually designed to be so magnificent that it would blow your mind what you're capable of. And I can't tell you how many times people come back with, but I'm busy. I'm already under the influence of something else. I'm already allowing something else to influence the future of my life. And usually it's not a busyness that's planned, it's just a busyness that has overcome them. Much like being drunk. That many of us are actually under the influence of this invisible reality of busyness. And that invisible reality sets us free from the fear that we might be insignificant in this life. And so it has this chokehold on us that if, if I'm busy enough, I can have faith that if I keep doing the busyness, then my life actually might be significant. And if I kept up the busyness, I actually might maybe somehow make the mark that I'm designed to make on the world. That, that if, if I just keep engaging and doing more and spending my energy and, and planning every second of my day out, then somehow at the end of my day, I will say that I did something at least. The problem is, is that for a moment, it allows us to feel like we are in control. And yet at the end of our days, it leaves us completely out of control and needing another hit, another thing, something else to go on the calendar to make us feel significant, to ignore and release the powerlessness that so many of us feel in our lives. See, most of the things that we are under the influence of do just that. They provide this momentary relief from the grip of our suffering. They, they provide a momentary release from the internal dread that lives within us of our own insignificance, of our own loneliness, of our own longing to know, is there something beyond what I can see and know and feel here? But in the end, it all leaves us out of control See, I think for me, I resist being under the influence of the voice of God for the same reason that I resist being under the influence of the voice of alcohol. Because I actually don't like being out of control. I actually don't like resist, like releasing my ability to manipulate and control how I feel in the moment. I don't like releasing the power that I hold to determine the emotions that I get to experience in a moment, or the internal physical feelings that I get in a moment. I, I don't like the feeling of being out of control. I don't like making the leap, not being able to see the landing on the other side. I don't like a God who says it's time to jump and not knowing what exists on the other side of that jump. And here's the thing, is that if you are going to be a person under the influence of God, that is exactly where he will take you. In fact, it is where he loves to take you. It is where he longs to take you. It is where he, he calls us into. And it is actually what distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the planet. Because the places that God will lead you to, you will immediately feel out of control. 
See, this is a God who tells someone, you're going to spend the next 100 years of your life building a boat to save humanity in a climate that had not rained before. This is a God who tells you to leave your home and leave your family and leave everything that you knew and you are going to move in a tent into a strange land and you are going to be a stranger among people that you don't know. But I promise you at the end of that, I will make you great. It is the God who says you are beyond childbearing years, but I promise you that if you will follow me, you will birth a nation that will transform the future of all humanity. It is a God who says you are going to step up with a stutter and you are going to defy the superpowers of the planet. You will step into a tree in a space with Pharaoh himself. And this is where I'm calling you. It is a God who says, you are going to walk up a mountain with nothing but your son and a knife and you will kill him for me. And you will believe that there is good in this. It is the God who says, you will save spies. And if you are found out, you will be instantly executed, but you're going to do it because this is what I've called you to. Or maybe closer to home. He's the God who says, yeah, you're going to go reconcile with that family member. That you have no possible scenario in your mind where restoration could happen. He's the God who says, you're going to keep believing for your kid. Even when you cannot even see a possibility of a way out. He's a God who says, you're going to give even when it looks like you are depleted. And I promise you there is something on the other side. He is going to say, you are going to invest in other people, and it is going to hurt. It, you, it is going to hurt at the deepest level that you've ever imagined when you start loving in a way that transforms everything. He, he is going to say, look, you are going to step into this higher space of influence in your career, even though you seem incredibly unqualified and that your voice should not speak in this arena. He is saying that, that you are going to speak out despite the anxiety and the awkwardness that you feel within you. He, he is saying, look, I am going to take you into this insurmountable diagnosis and I am not going to show you the future with this. And trusting that he will meet you in the middle of this and you will never, ever, ever feel more out of control than when you allow yourself to be under the influence of a God who calls you into a life of faith. And he, this is the question that he will ask you. Will you allow my voice to flow into you? And will you trust me? Will you trust my influence first? Will you allow that to step into me? And if you answer that call, the second that you decide that you will be under the influence of the creator God of the universe who is calling you out of control onto the ledge to make the leap, the second that you say yes, you will see the future. The second that you see yes, you will see the invisible and you will see the future that he is calling you into and all of the resources necessary will come flooding behind you to step into that place, but not a second before. It is in the leap saying, your influence is enough, Lord. And the beautiful thing is that the second you answer that call, you will begin working from a brand new reality where you can see the unseen. And here is actually, I think, the most powerful thing about this. It's one thing to just go on a journey that feels out of control and wild and crazy, and at the end of your days, you can say, that was awesome. That's one thing. But God calls us to be under the influence of his voice, and to follow him wherever it calls us to allow his spirit to inform us. And it's only in losing control that we actually find it. It's only in, in releasing it that we actually gain everything that we have been looking for, that our souls are longing for. No more temporary fixes, but a permanent reality in a relationship with the God of the universe that is constantly flowing into you and influencing you. See, in Matthew 16, 24, it says this, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny your need for comfort. Deny your desire to entertain the worry. Deny yourself to allow the busyness of your life to inform what's possible and not possible with your energy. To deny all of the scarcity and the stock market and what could happen or might not happen in your family and relationships. Deny all of that and take up your cross and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life will find it. See, the moment that you decide that Jesus is the voice that you will influence your life, you will find your life again. And you will become the influencer that you were made to be.
See, these individuals in Hebrews, they, they did that. And we look at them, and we did, man, they did amazing things. And hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? I imagine that in their moment, they were like, this is so scary. I feel so out of control. But they did the impossible. And here's the crazy thing, is their story is still influencing us today, thousands of years later. That the choices that they made sitting in a seat just like you right now, that in a moment they said, yes. And still today we are reading their stories going, yes, how do I become like them? Because they were ordinary individuals, maybe sitting in a theater somewhere, hearing the voice of God saying, this is what I've called you to. And bringing them to a moment of crisis, a moment of decision, a moment of wondering, how will I choose in the middle of this? Because, see, here's the thing. It was impossible to part oceans until it wasn't. It was impossible to have a child past childbearing age until it wasn't. It was impossible to destroy cities with nothing but a prayer and a trumpet until it wasn't. It was impossible to birth a nation who would change the world until it wasn't. It was impossible to take down the world's superpower with nothing but a staff and a stutter until it wasn't. And they informed what's possible for us today because they made a choice that looked impossible to them then. And it opened up futures for us in the middle of this. And we believe today because they decided to believe them and their influence has rippled into the future. And it still echoes inside of us today that that moment of decision still moves in us. See, your life informed by faith will be the material that God will use to influence the world around you and invites others to see the unseen. It invites every single person that you encounter with to step into a life that is elevated because you have chosen to allow the voice of God to flow into you. And from that, living waters flow within, out to the rest of the world. Because the evidence of the unseen is moving in you. I'd like for you just to take a moment Close your eyes right where you're at. You can probably tell I'm passionate about this today. Because here's the thing. I am not interested in us walking away from this place inspired and doing nothing as a result. That, that, it would, actually, that would actually create more damage to our souls. To walk away and say, that was awesome. I feel ready to be inspired. I'm going to make this really practical. I want you just for a moment to listen to the voice of God. And I want you to ask him, what is the impossible thing that he is asking from you today? I don't know what that is for you. What is the impossible that he is calling you into just take a moment and hear his voice. It may be believing for something that you have given up on. It may be a relationship that you have just decided this is what it is. And God was like, I didn't give up on them. I didn't ask you to give up on them. But it feels impossible to you. Maybe it could be an area of healing physical healing, emotional healing, mental trauma from the past. And you're just like, I guess I just get to live with this. And it feels impossible to have something new in that area. Maybe there's an area of freedom that you are called into. There's areas where you feel bound and stuck that just feel impossible. Maybe there are circumstances that you find yourself in, a career, your finances, a relational dynamic, a dynamic at work, that you've just decided it's impossible. And I just want you to allow the voice of God to speak into that area for a moment. Because over the next eight weeks together, I'm not interested in this being theory. I'm not interested in having an influencer 101 course. I'm influencing and creating, I'm interested in influencing a revolution of the spirit where God does the impossible within us. 
Now, whatever that is in your heart, I want you to ask this question. Am I allowing the influence of God to inform the impossible version of that? Just check in. Because here's what I do. I settle for that's good enough. It would be awesome if that could happen. It would be awesome if I, if I just wasn't worrying anymore when God's actually saying, no, what I want you to step into is unstoppable freedom. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I would settle for a relationship that just doesn't fight anymore. And God's saying, no, what I actually want you to step into is the most powerful version of intimacy with that individual that's available. Maybe for some of you, you're saying, yeah, it would be nice to not be broke anymore. And God's saying, nope, you were designed to build wealth for the sake of the kingdom. Maybe you're living in the overwhelming dread of purposelessness and the overwhelming conversation about how insignificant you are. And God's not just interested in taking that away. He's interested in calling you into the most breathtaking life that you could ever imagine. See, this is going to be a conversation around doing the impossible. This is going to be the conversation around stepping into the unthinkable, the unprecedented, the beyond what I could ask or imagine. Not because we are powerful individuals, but because the power of the influence of the creator of the universe is flowing now in me. And from within will flow living waters. Now I want you to open your eyes for a minute because I want to speak to you. Whatever that is, these eight weeks, it is going to be us passionately pursuing Jesus to have those things happen. This is not you mustering up all your strength. This is not you doing mantras in the, in the kitchen anymore. This is not any of that. This is not you listening to like your finest hour or whatever. This is you connecting to the living God and allowing his voice to flow in you. And look, here's the thing. The second that you decide you're gonna have your voice influenced by the voice of God, every other voice will want to start speaking into it. I guarantee you. You will walk away from here. You will get in your car today and you will say, that's stupid. I should not have ever thought that. You will get home and you will say, yeah, that's, that's possible for Nathan or that's possible for so-and-so. That's not possible for me. Let me dumb down what's possible with God. See, see, here's the thing. The world does not need more educated people in theology or people who are morally correct. We need people who actually demonstrate the impossible movement of God in our lives. And God is not interested in doing a revival in a community. He's interested in doing a revival in us. And from that, it will ripple out. I want to share with you my impossible. You know what the impossible is for me? I want you to look at the empty chair next to you. And behind you and around you. See, I, I have noticed over the last three years since the world spun into chaos, that I've given up on a dream, that it's possible for us together to create a revolution that would be so compelling that we wouldn't have enough space to hold people. See, I don't know about you, but, but I know individuals that, that need this conversation, who are drowning in impossibilities, who are choked by invisible realities that are informing their future. And, and I have given up on the possibility of a community that is so compelling that people would move heaven and earth to be a part of it. And I'm stepping into that impossibility over the next lifetime. And I'm telling you, that does not live in me like I hope maybe one day this lives in me like this will happen. That... If Hebrews 11 was written again, my name would be in it, not because of me, but because the God of the universe is flowing. But here's the thing that I know about my impossibility, and I know it's true about yours, is it doesn't just require an intimate and vulnerable faith in a God who is flowing into me. It requires an intimate, vulnerable faith in the God that is flowing in you as well. That any impossible narrative and future that God is calling you into is never, ever, ever a calling on your own. In fact, here's, here's what you can, here's a test that you can tell yourself. If that impossible 
calling that Jesus just called you into, if you in your mind think, oh, I got this, just me and Jesus, it's too small. That, that whatever Jesus is calling you into, whatever God is elevating your life into, the impossible reality that he is longing to birth in you, the future that he is longing to create out of your life, it will cause you to be an out-of-control conversations and relationship and trust with people around you. It will cause you to pull your heart out and say, I will gr- gladly allow this to be shared with you so that together we can do the impossible so that together we can create a dynamic revolution where the unthinkable, the breathtaking, the unexpected happens on a regular basis. This is the call of Jesus. This is the revolution of the soul that we are called to be, that we are the influencers that this world needs right now. No one else but us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, We, we allow ourselves to be on sacred ground right now. I imagine and I hope that for most of us, we're in a space of a Moses or a Noah or a Rahab when you called them into the unthinkable future. The out of control, anxious feelings that came when you asked Moses to speak truth to power in Pharaoh the unthinkable anxiousness and fear and wondering when you called Rahab to help spies knowing that she could be executed for it. The, the wonderings and the insecurity and the, the feeling of powerlessness that came when you asked Abraham to take a knife and his son up to a mountain to sacrifice him. And Jesus, I ask that right now that your voice would be louder than any other voice that we would be those who choose to be under the influence of nothing but your voice, of nothing but your vision, of nothing but your future. That the worry and the anxiety and the fear and the hopelessness and the busyness that we so easily cling to, to get under the influence of, to be relieved from the temporary suffering, that that would be insignificant. It would no longer work. That we would be repulsed by it that there would be a longing, a craving inside of us for something so dynamic, so powerful, so unthinkable that you would call us to do crazy things so that we might be influenced by the God of love. And in that, we might take on the mantle of influencers in the world around us. Jesus, with this moment, with this moment, right now, echo into eternity. And Jesus, it is only through your name that that can happen. So this morning, if you're here and you have not yet connected to Jesus, or maybe you're online and you're watching and you have not yet connected to Jesus, I I wanna give two calls this morning. See, for some of you, you may have not yet connected to Jesus and this is your moment, because I guarantee you this is not like a self-help, Tony Robbins, rah-rah, let's walk on Cole's moment. This is something very different. This is only possible with being under the influence of the voice of God, being in intimate connection relationship with Jesus. So if that's you today, this is your moment to connect to relationship with him, to choose that he will be the source that flows into you. No other source gets in. But I don't know, but some of you in this room, I probably imagine have given up on the power of Jesus. And maybe you've decided that you would follow him, but you've decided that he wasn't powerful enough, that he was not capable enough, that the cross was not enough to save you, not from your brokenness, but save you into the future that he's called you into. See, today, Jesus is not just interested in being the savior of your sins. He's, being, he's interested in being the savior of your future as well. He's not just interested in alleviating you from the trauma of your past. He's interested in elevating you into what's next in your life. And so that, if that's you, both calls are the same. 
to decide today my trust gets placed in him and I never pick it up again. That my trust gets put fully in him and I never, ever, ever decide that there is another source. And so if that's you this morning, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I give you all of my life. My heart and my mind and my spirit and my body. I know that you died and you came back to life for me. And I make you Lord. I give you everything. And would you lead me into the impossible, Jesus? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For the next eight Sundays, we're going to be in a dynamic conversation that will be unlike anything you've experienced at Humanity Church. Because I believe this is the calling on our lives. And so here's my request, is that this space would be a space where you do not allow busyness to inform your life. That this space would not be an option among many, but that if the voice of the creator of the universe is what gets flown into you, is what's flowing into you, that this would be a space where we gather together and are encouraged. There's a reason why the scriptures say, do not forsake the gathering of yourself together. Because there's a stirring of faith that's going to happen as we gather in this space. And I'm going to ask you, if you're not connected to a humanity group, that this week would be the week that you just figure it out. Now note, I'm just, I'm just going to, look, I'm about as busy as a human being can get. And I, there, I, 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 there, I mark off time. And so I'm going to ask you this week, if you're like, even if you're like, I can't, I'm busy. Just notice, if, I'm, I, like, I'm not even saying that this week might not work for you because you have a full schedule. But even just notice if the impulse is immediately, I'm busy. If the impulse is there, you're under the influence. You're not crafting your life, your life is crafting you. And so this week, find the spaces to be in that will influence your life and the lives of those around you. If you're going to be the influencer, let's invite other people into this space. Because I know there are people in our life longing for influence that this moment will bring them. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.